Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cara, acne can be tough. Whether your kid is just starting to get breakouts or has been struggling with them for years, there's a great product that can help. Phyla is the ultimate game changer. It tackles acne right at its root cause, rebalancing the skin's bacteria and packing it with probiotic phages. Phyla harnesses the superpowers of probiotics, tiny warriors targeting and wiping out the acne-causing bacteria. In studies, Phyla slashed acne-causing bacteria by a whopping 90%. Phyla doesn't just fix acne you can see. It stops new breakouts in their tracks. It has no harsh chemicals and won't irritate or dry most skin. Phyla's three-step system is like a dermatologist-approved magic potion. Cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. As a special treat for our listeners, you can grab 25% off your first order of Phyla. Head over to phylabiotics.com, enter code PUBERTY at checkout, and kickstart your family's journey to acne-free skin. Check out the link in our show notes for quick access. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Cole bennett Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescents, ours and theirs. Hi, Cara. Hello, Vanessa. We got an awesome listener question. And it went something along the lines of this. My kid came to me and asked me, I'm being the listener. I'm not being me. My kid came to me and asked me if they have X, insert diagnosis. And I said... Hmm, what made you say that? And they said, oh, I saw it on TikTok. Right. I looked at my symptoms. and uh, Or they saw a TikTok and... They saw a TikTok, TikTok and were wondering mm. if they had it. So it's such a good question for a few reasons. One, because it's about how and where we get our information and how and where our kids get their information. So that's number one. Number two... It gets at the trend of self-diagnosing that not only kids, but also adults do. So we're going to talk about that. Three, it gets at when kids bring up tricky topics that maybe we're not prepared to address and they come to us with questions and how do we handle that? And that's true of whether they're getting it from TikTok or they're getting it from a friend or they're getting it from anywhere. So how do we answer questions when we're a little surprised or caught off guard by the question. I wrote down all three of those so that we will 
promise to get to them because sometimes we will pose three different things at the top then, of an episode and get, get to one to two. Yeah. yeah. But then we get to 12 others. Okay. Yes. So quick disclaimer before we dive into this, not really a disclaimer, but a statement of fact. Yeah. It's the title of the episode. Kids do it too, because we adults will often self-diagnose. Medical school is a four-year journey in self-diagnosis, <laughs> okay? This is a very human and expected phenomenon that when the internet came around, suddenly it mushroomed, right? So when we talk about this with regard to tweens and teens going through this exercise of self-diagnosis, I think we also probably should weave in advice for ourselves as adults because we do it too. Yes, this is a applies to all human beings situation. So let's start with where people get their information, where should they get their information, and how do we give guidance about the best places to get accurate science-based information? We know lots of people who get their information from WebMD or Dr. Google. We know lots of kids who get their information from TikTok. And without demonizing anything, we want to help think about how do we set parameters for kids about if they're curious about something or interested or exploring, how do we help them kind of be curious, which is a great quality, without giving them false information or even, honestly, dangerous information. Well, and maybe we should start by separating the Dr. Google of it all from the WebMD of it all. Because the Dr. Google description means I plug either a name of a diagnosis or some symptoms or some worries into a search engine, and it could be Google or any other search engine. And I get a bunch of results within, you know, 0.023 seconds, I get 150,000 results. And I'm human. So I look at the first page of results and I quickly scan and I click on one or maybe I click on two. Or if I'm a Gen Zer, I might just go to image instead of even the all search. I might just go to image and then I just get a bunch of images, some things of which I cannot unsee. And the Dr. Google of it all is confusing because unfortunately, Google can only respond to what we feed it and ask it, which is why when you query it differently, different results come up, which is very interesting to me. Google is also somewhat of a pay-to-play platform insofar as when you first search on Google, that, you know, the top of every search page has sponsored results, which are paid ads. We pay for some of those ads, Vanessa. So like we fully understand how the system works. And so those are paid ads at the top. And sometimes even though we see sponsored, that part of our brain turns off and we just click it. It's at the top of the page. It looks legit. The link is fine. Or it might be the same link as the link right below it. So we click it. It's a sponsored link. Another thing about the Dr. Google of it all is that the search engine optimization rules that then help the other 150,000 non-paid links appear on the page, those SEO rules are always changing. But for many companies, there are employees who are dedicated to maximizing the SEO search to get that answer at the top of a search result. 
So that does skew it. That is a different form of pay to play because that, you know, if you've got a, I'm just going to pull like a random herbal product that promises to make a penis large, right? And if the company just that makes- Just as a casual example. Just saying. <laughs> and the company that makes that product, if they are both investing in sponsored ads and in SEO optimization, and they are creating pages and articles and blog posts and content that answers the types of questions that you or your kit might enter into Google or any other search engine, well, then you can see how that content will float to the top. And that is where misinformation comes from. And we will not get into chat GPT on this podcast. But I do think it bears mentioning that there have been a ton of articles this summer about the power of the newest iteration of chat GPT. And one of the worries is the echo chamber that we're so used to on social media is actually going to be much worse with AI. But I personally have found some of the most helpful articles are the ones that remind us that we use AI all the time already. That's what Dr. Google is. It's an AI search. And so don't forget that. And when you do start using ChatGPT, your children have started using it, remember that that visual filtering of what's sponsored and what's not and all those cues that we're used to using on a traditional search engine, they look different in ChatGPT because ChatGPT gives you an answer. And it's an answer based upon all of these different search results. And so it might be accurate and it might not. So very long-winded way of saying what Dr. Google is. I'll just say really quickly the WebMD of it all. WebMD and similar companies, I think they make a very genuine effort to give good medical information. I think they're really actually trying the people who work for these companies, not all of them, but many of these companies hire licensed and well-educated and well-trained employees who know how to do their research and know how to present the information. The problem is they're also covering their legal behinds. And so in terms of the liability of it all, they will often list absolutely every single possible diagnosis that can be associated with your fill-in-the-blank symptoms, which mm. is why you might think your runny nose is leukemia. And if we look at TikTok, the way the algorithm works is once you search something, your For You page, it's literally called For You page, gets fed similar content as what you've already searched. So if a kid searches how to make eggs, they're then going to be fed, sorry for the pun, lots of other TikToks about making eggs or cooking. If they search, am I autistic? They're going to be fed lots and lots of TikToks and go deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole. And so it's similarly... AI based in the sense that it learns your habits and recognizes your interests and feeds you into that. The difference is it keeps feeding you more and more and more TikTok. So you can just sit and watch similarly on YouTube. It will just keep feeding you more and more content. So when we had Carrie James and Emily Weinstein from behind their screens they talked about how there's a lack of friction, meaning there's no end to a video and then you have to decide to start a new video. It just starts a new video. And so kids who are searching for information on TikTok or just happen to be on TikTok can 
go down a very steep rabbit hole because of that lack of friction on the platform. So that's what's happening with information. If you're lucky, a kid comes to you and asks you, do I have X or am I Y? And I want to be careful about what examples we use so as not to seem flippant or dismissive of certain diagnoses. Can I tee one up that came up in my house recently? So one of my kids was having pain in a muscle and it was a very specific type of pain and he didn't know what it was. He didn't know what muscle it was and he didn't know what stretches he could do to try to work the pain out. So nothing too serious but a little worried because he had a race coming up and right was wanting to take care of that muscle. So perfect example of how did he access the information? What did he decide to do? So, you know, I don't know how much information he sought for himself before he came to me. But when he came to me, one thing that we did is I said to him, okay, let's look it up together. And how you look up where a specific symptom or something narrow, it can be tricky. So it took us a few tries and I've taken an anatomy and it still took us a few tries to figure out how to look up exactly what the pain he was feeling was. It was great. It was like, you know, we looked up on an image search, anterior thigh pain. And then we saw a bunch of pictures and then he was able to identify this is the spot that hurts. And then we were able to go into that picture and identify, okay, which muscle group, what else could it be? And then we started looking those things up individually. So we did it together. Partially, I think he wanted to do it with me because he has heard me beat the drum for so many years that there's so much bad information out there. Figuring out where to get the good information, once you've honed your question, who do I believe for the real information? And so to this end, I would really, really strongly recommend that you start by just pull together a little list of websites that feel like comfortable go-to websites for you. You can ask your family practice doctor, your pediatrician, your internist, any person who has worked in healthcare who knows how to look up information because frankly, they do it all day, every day. Any site that ends with E-D-U is usually, I'm sure they're imitators, but almost always an E-D-U site is an education site that is affiliated with the university and a teaching hospital. So those are really good sites to look at and, you know, just check what the web address is. And any site that's selling something is probably not the most valid. Although, again, Vanessa, we sell products on our consumer site and we really do believe that we have some of the very best puberty information out there. So just because someone sells something doesn't mean it's bad information, but it would not be my first go-to spot. Do you or someone you love have smelly feet? Well, this is for you. We made magical socks. We did. The magic is zinc. With zinc around, bacteria cannot grow. And if bacteria cannot grow, well, then there are no bacteria to eat the sweat. And if there's no bacteria to eat the sweat, then there's no off-gassing. And if there's no off-gassing, then there's no smell. That's how socks work. Check out the link in our show notes or go to myoomla.com. Vanessa, 
We literally have three minutes to eat lunch every day. I am not joking. And the challenge is how to make it delicious and healthy and still fit into that tiny window. Our answer is Factors Ready to Eat Meals. They have been a godsend. We throw our factor meals in the microwave. It takes two minutes and out comes a gorgeous, fresh, never frozen meal. We both love the tamale vegetarian one. It's delish. There's a ton of options every week. There's 60 add-ons, breakfast, snacks, beverages. I love doing the wellness shots with my kids. They think it's hilarious. And I know they're getting vitamins and minerals in their bodies. So get meals on your table or at your desk in two minutes or less. Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. You can customize with flexibility to get as much or as little as you need, and you can press pause or reschedule depending upon your lifestyle. So to order, go to factormeals.com slash puberty50 and use the code puberty50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50 to get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next box. And I am going to go do that right now because I need more factor meals in my refrigerator. Cara, lately I have been lying awake at night. I'm physically exhausted, but I can't sleep because my mind is so wired with everything going on between work and my family. So I've added magnesium breakthrough to my nightly routine and it actually helps calm my mind. It helps me get better sleep and I wake up feeling better rested. I'm less cranky and I'm more patient with my family and with you. Oh, I've noticed. And it's because unlike other magnesium supplements that might give one or two formulations of magnesium, Magnesium Breakthrough has seven. That's why you're sleeping so well and waking up refreshed. Now, dietary supplementation is always best, Vanessa. So that means eating your minerals and vitamins is the best way to get them in. But if you can't or you don't get enough, Magnesium Breakthrough is the way to go. It can also help digestion, though too much helps your digestion too much, which is not a good thing. It can support muscle recovery. So bye-bye, Charlie Horses. And it helps build dense bones, which is especially important for women approaching and in menopause. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can go to buyoptimizers.com slash puberty, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com slash puberty. And you can use the code PUBERTY10 during checkout to save 10%. That promo code is PUBERTY10 at buyoptimizers.com slash puberty. Your body and brain and family and business partner will thank you. Cara, my kids love Magic Spoon cereal. And even though it's cereal, they actually love it as a homework snack. The variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. And fruity is the favorite flavor in my house. Now, this pack has zero grams of sugar, between 13 and 14 grams of protein, and between four and five grams of net carbs per serving. It's made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes, and it's high in protein, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So a great choice, Vanessa. You can go to magicspoon.com slash puberty to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our, you guessed it, promo code puberty at checkout to save $5 off your order. 
And Magic Spoon is so confident you're going to love their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money. No questions asked. They do not want you to send their cereal back to them. Try a bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash puberty and use the code puberty to save $5. So I think that's some guidance if an adult's involved, if the kid has a question and you're not sure of the answer and you want to look for it together. But I want to dive deeper into the TikTok of it all, into the self-pathologizing of it all. Because one thing we've noticed, and it really is fueled by social media, by Reddit and TikTok and even Instagram sometimes, is seeing something or watching something on social media and thinking, oh, is that me or do I have that? And we see it most, Cara, I think around mental health issues. So OCD is a big one, even though it's not a huge diagnosis amongst adolescents. Kids do a lot of self-diagnosing of OCD based on things they've seen or read. Depression, anxiety get talked about all the time. Kids ask a lot about like being on the spectrum. That's another one we hear a lot about. attention deficit. Or ADHD of Mm -hmm. different forms. So one thing I'd love to walk through is like a little bit of kind of scenario or role play where we give people some guidance on how to react if your kid comes to you with a question like that. The important information to gather in front or at least to plant in your brain before you even think about how to address your kid is to remember that many of the videos start with language that suggests either your doctor probably never told you this, or you might have said to your parents a hundred times, but they don't listen to you. So there's this element that is used in not nearly all of these videos, but many of them, where there's an acknowledgement to the viewer, if you've been feeling this way and no one has given you the time of day and no one has believed you or no one has noticed it, you are not alone I am on your side and, you know, I'm going to share my journey and then I'm going to teach you what you can do about it. That's the very typical setup. I'm going to take you out of the darkness and into the light. And the problem with this is that once that type of video has been watched, then the likelihood that a kid is going to come to you to share this actually goes down a little bit because the premise is no one believed you anyway. So let's do a role play. Let's do it two ways, Vanessa. One is the kid comes to the adult and actually asks the question. And let's do another where the adult just has a feeling that there's something going on. How does the adult even open the door on that conversation? But let's start first with the kid comes to the adult. So, I mean, a common one is, I think I'm OCD. Do you think I'm OCD? Because I saw this thing on TikTok and it just sounds a lot of like what I do. And I just think I have it. Vanessa, thank you for asking me. I really appreciate it. Can you tell me a little bit more? What did you see that made you think you have OCD? So like, I don't know, they were talking about like, we really like your desk to be neat. And like, you wash your hands. And 
you take off your shoes when you come in the house. And it's just like, it just totally described me. And did you get a sense of the difference between when people do that without OCD and when people do those things with OCD? Or do you have questions about that? No, no, no. They were just like saying, if you do these things, then you definitely have it. And also all my friends have said that they have OCD. And so I feel like I must have it too, because I also do those things. Okay, Vanessa, I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Now I'm going to push pause on the role play because the conversation rolls out from there. But the important piece of that little exchange is everyone who's listening knows where it's going. Where it's going is to normalize without using the word normal. Try your hardest not to use that word. But All the behaviors that were described as part of OCD are also very typical behaviors, things people do every day. You wash your hands in order to prevent the spread of germs or to, you know, just to get the grime off. What were some of the other things you said, Take your shoes off. Oh, take your shoes off when you come inside, which is, frankly, some homes, that's how it's done. And other people, they're just hot and sweaty at the end of the day. And ritualistically, they kick their shoes off and it feels good. It feels like you can come down a level. So addressing, getting into the nitty gritty and kind of walking, quote unquote, symptom by symptom really helps a kid see what's typical. And then you can explain what an OCD version might look like. And the language that you can use for that is something like, There are people whose compulsion is to wash their hands, but when people have this as part of OCD, they're not washing their hands once or twice a day. They are washing their hands so often during the day that their hands might get chapped or they are unable to take the next step, whatever they're doing in the day, because they haven't stopped to wash their hands, that the not doing the behavior stops their life until they do the behavior and then their brain gives them permission to move on. That's one way of describing it. Of course, there are 25,000 scenarios you could come up with. OCD is just one of them. And you may not, as the parent, have the language because depending upon what your kid says, you may not know. So you're totally in your right to say, I'm so glad you came and talked to me about this. I want to do a little research so that I can explain it to you best. And then you go to a site with EDU at the end. Yeah. And if your kid is coming to you, if they're wondering if they're normal or there's something wrong, that may be a sign that something else is going on with them, that they're looking for a little reassurance or they're looking for some kind of explanation for why things don't quite feel great. Now, part of that might be it's in the water. Like kids talk about all sorts of diagnoses very casually these days. They do all sorts of self-pathologizing because they hear about it and see about it. And partially they hear about it and see a lot about it from adults in their lives. And partially because they may have a sense that like something isn't quite right and they're trying to put their finger on it and they went to social media to come up with an explanation. And you want to draw their sense of trust and their sense of worry directed towards conversation with you and away from whatever site or platform they were using. So when Kara says, hey, I'm so glad you came to me, 
that's a way of saying, I'm here, I'm listening, I'm validating your worry and your wondering. We're in this together. I'm not going to dismiss what you said. I'm not going to tell you that you're ridiculous. I'm not going to vilify social media platforms for ruining all of society. I'm not going to tell you you're overreacting and being an idiot for wondering about this, right? All of those reactions are going to turn your kid away from you and towards other sources. And I want to put a highlighter over that comment to not vilify social media platforms because the thing you don't want to do when your kid comes to you is to say, I told you never to go on TikTok and you shouldn't get your information from that or or whatever platform it is or, you know, you can do that at some separate point where you shine a light on the fact that they didn't get the best information on that platform. But when they come to you is not the best time because it will shut them down. The other thing that you want to be very careful about is some kids suspect that they have certain diagnoses. This is going to sound odd, but this is true. Because another kid or an adult who they really admire has that thing and they want to have that thing. And I think OCD is a very good example of this because in medical school, we used to say a little bit of OCD goes a long way. In our culture, being a little obsessive and a little compulsive will often lead to really intense study skills that then translates into performing in school or being a little bit obsessive and compulsive might make you exercise and work out and stretch and do whatever else more so that your athletic skills are a little bit better. Or you can think of 12 examples, right? So maybe a kid has a friend or a role model who has OCD and they're looking to see if they have that as well because there are pieces of it that feel like a success strategy. And so what you want to be careful of as the adult in the situation is don't necessarily respond with, don't worry, you don't have it because they may not be worried. That may not be their frame of mind. Right. I remember like when somebody got glasses when I was a younger kid and I was so envious that they had glasses. And one of my parents was like, I mean, my mom who's worn glasses for, I don't know, 75 years was like, actually glasses are sort of a pain in the ass and be grateful you have, you know, perfect vision. But there is a covetousness amongst kids when people have something special or unique or maybe something that feels kind of adult or grown up. And for kids, sometimes mental health diagnoses feel grown up and almost glamorized because of other parts of culture and social media and regular media that they ingest. So don't assume you know, but also it's a sign if they're coming to you that there's something going on for them in their minds and they are looking for a little help to figure it out. Now, let's go to the other situation. To the kid who doesn't come to you. The kid who doesn't come to you, but you have a sense Mm. that they are ingesting some content that is sending them in a direction that you're not so crazy about. Okay, go, Vanessa. So I'm the kid and I'm not saying anything. And you're not saying anything. Let's try this. Cara, I noticed that you've changed what kinds of foods you want me to buy at the store and what kinds of 
dinners you're interested in eating and which ones you're not interested in eating. I see a change and I'm wondering where that change has come from. Oh, I'm just getting healthy. I just decided I wanted to be healthy. Huh. And how are you deciding what is healthy and what isn't healthy? Because that's a big, broad word. And I'm wondering how you're figuring that out. Oh, well, I mean, you're always talking about how I should eat nutritious foods. And, you know, I, yes, I can have dessert, but I shouldn't have too much because it's not good for you. And, you know, I mean, I've been alive long enough to know what's healthy and what's not. So I thought you'd be really proud of me for just getting healthier. So I think it's great to take good care of your body and to care about what you put in it and on it. But I don't know if you know this, some places are really great resources for figuring that out. And some places aren't so great. So I'd love to see what kinds of stuff you've been watching on TikTok so I can learn from you and I can get a sense of like where you're getting your information from. Okay, so I'm going to stop there and say, I did not know how you were going to get there, Vanessa, but that was great. (laughs) That was great because I was trying to throw up roadblocks and you were not taking my bait. You were like, I'll see you're 13 years old and I'll show you. It was great. And I I think it's a, a wonderful way in. One thing you did not do, you did not ask any yes, no questions. You did not give me the opportunity to shut you down. And if you had, you would have caught yourself in your error and you would have pivoted and then gone to another non-yes, no question. So it would have been okay if you did. But that was terrific. For parents who are afraid to ask their kid to share what they're seeing on social media, and some kids will say, well, it changes every day, or, well, you can't see, you know, this platform doesn't show you what I saw yesterday and this, that, and the other. They know you're worried and they feel sort of a vibe of accusation. I think it's important to just say, I'm not accusing you of anything. I'm just noticing my whole job. I mean, we say this every episode is to keep you safe and healthy. I'm just noticing. I would love to take a look and see your social media platform. You show me yours, I'll show you mine, you know? And well, feel free. And by the way, a reminder to your kid that unless they have paid for their phone and are paying for the (laughs) Wi-Fi access and are somehow self-supporting, if you're paying for that and it's on your plan and you're, you know, in charge of the finances... Not to mention the fact that if you have a contract with your kid about their phone and usage, which you should, it's your right to see what's on the phone. And now you don't have to take that approach or that tone, but, you know, with kids and as kids get older, this is less successful, but using a 13 year old as an example, you can say, hey, I just want to remind you, I'm going to spot check your, you know, group texts. I'm going to spot check what you're looking at on YouTube. It's not because I don't trust you. It's because I'm really curious and I want to understand what your life is like beyond what I get to see more and more. You're out in the world and I don't get to see that much and I want to see it. So that's one way to do it. Another way to do it is to get, as Megan Leahy says, elbow to elbow on the couch and say, I don't understand TikTok. I don't get it. Can you sit with me and show me what you look at? And can you tell me what's funny and what's not funny and what you flip past and what you like to watch? Because that would be really helpful. 
And that is a brilliant way in without even having to touch with a 10-foot pole the thing you're worried about. If you try to approach a topic like eating issues and body image issues or mental health issues or friend dynamics, and you're not getting anything from your kid, it is very easy to go to them on a separate day at a separate time and say, I'd love to take a look here. I know you're not interested in mine, but here's what I'm looking at. Show me, teach me. I would love to know what my life would have looked like and felt like if this technology had existed when I was your age. I'm so curious. Or then, I'm a total, I'm a total moron and I yes. don't have TikTok and I don't even understand it. And I need you to be the expert at explain it. Yes. Me. And and then it's just like your Bridgerton moment where you pressed pause <laughs> when, you know, the sex, the, the After losing Daphne virginity lost her virginity scene. Yep. And you were, it was an amazing moment and a teachable moment for you and everyone else on this podcast. <laughs> so, you know, you can do that with social media where as you start to see the algorithm show you, because it will show you what your kid is interested in and watching right? Those are the videos and the posts that pop up. You can pause on one and say, wow, this is interesting. This is worrying me a little, you know, let's talk about this one. Or this is interesting. This information is wrong. You do know this information is wrong, right? Let's talk about why it's wrong. So grabbing those moments on social, just like you grab them when a bus drives by and has a hideous ad on the side and you can't unsee that. A misogynistic, violent ad. Yes. And a PSA to people who have younger kids and are on mm-hmm. TikTok or I YouTube. Know where this is going. Even YouTube. So some social media experts we've interviewed have given the advice that when kids are on devices, and please God, if you have younger kids on devices, they have screen time limits and they're not taking their devices into their bedrooms or into private spaces. They're doing it near you. The volume should be on. You should be able to hear what they're watching, if not see it. So if you're in the kitchen dealing with something and they are nearby, you should be able to hear what they're watching. There should be limits on what they watch because remember, there's no friction. So they can go from YouTube to YouTube video or TikTok to TikTok. And a reminder that even if you set parental limits and controls. There are a million and one ways to get around them. And kids are only getting savvier about how to get around stuff. So don't assume because you set parental limits six months ago that they have not somehow gotten around it and are gone down a rabbit hole. And just like with porn, where they may see stuff that they don't even understand, but are sort of titillated or curious or interested. So too with other troubling stuff about health and safety and content that's just not appropriate or scary or confusing for them to see. So continue to check back in. I know it's exhausting. I have been through this journey this spring with one of my kids and I was so happy to put him on a campus so that I knew he did not have a phone in his hand for seven weeks. But it's really important that we continue to check in on what our kids are are seeing and doing online. We promised at the top that we would cover two other topics. Yes. We've touched on this next one, but I think we owe it a complete answer. Let's talk about the trend of self-diagnosis 
and what to do specifically with self-diagnosis. So not just where to get information, but very specifically, if you have a kid who has self-diagnosed and you know about it, however you have come to know about it, what next steps beyond getting the information, gathering information, what next steps do you take in order to help them? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing to go back to is, again, if a kid is self-diagnosing, if they are coming to you and saying, I wonder if I have that, that is telling you that there's something going on in the kid's mind. And as we've said about other issues, right? A kid who is worried they haven't started puberty, a kid who is worried that this hair or lump or bump shouldn't be there or isn't where it's supposed to be or came and left and whatever. It's always okay. It's more than okay. It's always great to speak to a professional and to say to your kid, hey, this sounds like a big worry to you. It's not something that I have ever worried about about you, but if you're worried about it, let's start with your pediatrician and let's raise this question and see what they have to say. And they may be able to give you an explanation and they may say, you know what, this is a great question for a mental health person, or this is a great question for a specialist in this area. But instead of dismissing it, no, 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 you're fine. You don't have it. That's just scratching the surface of what's going on for a kid. So I want to double down and say, do yes, it. yes, double down. Yes, yes, and yes. And the pediatricians or any other doctor or mental health provider or nurse practitioner that you end up seeing is not put out by the question or the visit. Nipping things early in the bud, that management is so much easier. That lift is so much lighter than ignoring it and poo-pooing it and dismissing it and having a kid get further and further and further into a cycle of essentially self-harm for a lot of these diagnoses. It may be that they think they have cancer. A tween who's got a unilateral breast bud, a breast bud on one side, doesn't matter your gender, you can have breast bud. And if you have one breast bud on one side, what do you think you have? Most kids think they have breast cancer. Right. And whether or not they talk to the adults in their lives about it, the cycle of worry that they are harboring a cancer and what their life is going to look like because they now have to manage a cancer, right? That is the anxiety they are living with. So I think it's really, really important to hear Vanessa when she says, go talk to someone who is in a healthcare field to validate. And, you know, at some number of these cases, the kids can have figured something out that's real. Great. Then you're in front of it and it's easier. Not breast cancer, though. There's really not breast cancer in tweens. Not breast cancer. Or my kid was like, do I have ball cancer? Because there's like a lump. And then we could talk about the epididymis. I think that the lesson we're really trying to teach kids is twofold. One, make sure you know how to get reliable science-based information. And two, it's great to start to learn to listen to your body and your emotions and to understand your moods and to notice changes and transformations. And the minute we say to them, oh, whatever, it's not a big deal, is the minute they learn, oh, maybe I shouldn't trust my instincts. Oh, 
maybe my gut about this is wrong. That's the opposite message we want to teach. We want to teach them to listen to their bodies and their hearts and their minds and not to rely on TikTok, but to rely on good information and trained professionals and that we as their caregivers are the pathway for them to get to that information and to get to those caregivers. So we're both bottling for them what it looks like to find good information and we're validating for them that they are on this journey of understanding their body. And as it changes, it's confusing as hell and they need people to be able to go to. And it's a little late in the episode to say this, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> there are doctors and nurses and healthcare, mental health care providers who have fabulous information yes. who are on TikTok. Yes. Including so, us. Including us. So I mean, I'm are, not a doctor, but Cara. <laughs> <laughs> so there are people out there who are trying to take the platform and say, okay, well, if people are going to it, then I want to put out good information to fight all the not good information. So important side note. The last topic that we said we were going to talk about, which we have really woven into a lot of this, but I think since we promised, let's cover it, is handling especially tricky questions from mm. kids. So Vanessa, where do you want to go? I think you could kind of choose almost any topic, right? You could choose anything like, what's anal sex, right? Because they've heard or seen something about that. To do I have an anxiety disorder, right? It could be anything along the spectrum of questions that you were not expecting and are jarring. And if you are surprised and taken off guard, you can always rely on Kara's just stand-up, excellent response to basically anything in life, which is... It's going to be on my gravestone. It, <laughs> God willing, in like many, many, many decades... <laughs> That's such an interesting question. What made you ask that? And then you're doing two things. You're validating them, right? Validate, validate, validate. And two, you're figuring out the starting point. Because if you get a question from a kid that is, what's anal sex? And you say, God damn it, that TikTok, I'm going to delete it from your phone. And while I'm at it, I'm going to throw your phone out the window and then make sure I drive over it with my car. When it turns out their cousin who came over last night was telling them all about anal sex. Or how about just think about not that anal sex is covered here, but think about all of the commercials you've ever seen for pharmaceutical products. Oh, my God. Okay. Yes. Such a good example. Okay. Do you remember when maybe 10 years ago... They had to name the side effects, but it would sound something like this. Side effects. And And then someone sued. (laughs) And now it says side effects can include (laughs) It's longer than the commercial. dysfunction. (laughs) You know, yes. And so some of the places that they hear these things are places where we have learned to tune them out. We're like, oh, this is the second half of the commercial. Whereas they're listening. They're like sponges. Yes. And so I do think that the tricky, unexpected questions, sometimes they come from the place we expect. Sometimes they don't. However, they get the seed of the idea. They do with that seed what we do. 
they start to worry. They start to perseverate. And that is the whole point of this episode is that kids are not many adults, but when it comes to gleaning information from the world around you, whether it's what you watch or what you read or what you hear, all of us take certain things in and filter certain things out. And some number of the things we take in make us a little worried. And so if we're worried about it in terms of our body or our brain, often that leads to a self-diagnosis. And a self-diagnosis might be accurate and it might be really inaccurate. And either way, it might cause its own secondary diagnosis of anxiety about the diagnosis. And that's independent of age. So let's talk to our kids about it, especially during puberty, when you have no freaking clue how your body is going to be shaped, how tall you're going to be, what the texture and color of your hair is going to wind up, where that hair is going to be. You don't know if you're going to have zits or no zits. You just don't know. And so to all of those people out there who have ever diagnosed, and take me back to medical school, like I had a different diagnosis every single day as I sat in that auditorium. It is such a normal, I'm going to use that word, it is such a normal thing to do, but it is an important one to talk to our kids about in the world of technology and social media and all of it. So you got this. Good luck. Godspeed. (laughs) We absolutely love hearing your feedback and getting all your questions. So anytime you want to be in touch, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. If you're looking for great puberty products like the Oom shorts or the Oom socks or the Oom bra, you get the theme there, go to myoomla.com. If you want more content, you love what we do on the Puberty Podcast and you want to have us come speak or learn more about our book or subscribe to our amazing newsletter, The Awkward Roller Coaster, go to orderofmagnitude.co. Remember, it's .co because we don't have enough money to buy .com. Yet. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.